Good morning, city. How are we doing today? Everybody made it out in the cold weather today. We're talking a little bit about that. We are going to be um, in Joshua chapter 6 this morning, if you want to open to that ahead of time. It might be an interactive service, so I would recommend that you guys be prepared for that. We'll see where the Lord leads. But just a tangent onto what was shared already this morning, how amazing and crazy are the events that are unfolding before us? And it's interesting, um, I was here this morning, and I had the privilege of praying with Pastor Linda this morning, and just kind of taking it all in, the things that have gone on just these past two weeks. And you look at the cold weather, and the snow, and we've almost kind of been shut in, and then all of the news just kind of makes you almost want to retreat back in, and uh, coming back out. This Sunday, coming back out into this weather again, sitting down here, coming before the Lord, this is our first act of defiance against all of that cold out there. So uh, this, I, think it's, I think it's exciting to have everybody here. So before we even get started, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I would just, just ask that you would fall on here, Father, that your presence would fill this place, Lord. Lord, that we would hear you, that we would see you, Lord, that we would understand, Father, how great, how powerful you are, Lord. Lord, that you are a God who fulfills his promises, Lord, that you are ever-present and ever-powerful, Lord. And Lord, we just submit ourselves to you, Lord. We submit ourselves to your word, Lord. We ask right now, Father, that you would have your way in us. Lord, bypass the speaker, Lord, and have your way today, Father. Have your way. Have your voice heard and your word be known, Father. And we just give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Joshua chapter 6. We're going to start right off the bat. This is the shofar. Is a ram's horn. To uh, announce um, celebrations. It's also used to declare war. It's also an instrument. This was instrumental, no pun intended, in what we're going to be reading about today. Again, this is the shofar. Think of it like a trumpet, but it is different from a trumpet. There are two different things. Some Bible versions actually talk about the trumpet being used. It was a shofar, and this is integral. Now, again, this was used to announce celebrations. It was used for music, and it was used to announce war, okay? It's very, very important that we're taking those things into consideration. melodious uh, push. We're going to be playing it a number of times today, and I want that sound to stick in your head, and I want the perspective of what this is to stick in your head. This is very, very important, and this is going to tie us directly into our topic today, which is worship. In this particular case, we're going to be talking about worship versus the wall. So what I'd like to do, and this is lengthy, I know, but I, I want you guys to bear with me. I want to read uh, chapter 6 of Joshua, verses 1 through 20. 
and we're going to pick it apart a little bit, and we'll go from there. Now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel, because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. So they saw the people of Jericho, saw the people coming, they gathered up all their crops, got into the city walls. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, you shall go around the city once, this you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams, or shofars, before the ark, which they were carrying. Oops. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with, with a great shout, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced, blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the trumpets continued blowing, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city. Going around at once, then came into the camp, lodged, uh, then came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And jo- Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once. And returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass that on the seventh day, when they rose early, about the dawning of the day, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, on that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. I'm going to jump down to verse 19 here. But all the silver and gold, vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted with the pre- when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, and the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Okay. There's so much here. For those of you that are delving into this, I'm taking a very, very narrow path through this, so bear with me. If you have tons of stuff to talk about, then that's good. Talk about it with somebody. Um, but today we're going to be focusing on worship. So this is the first thing I want to do. I want to I try something, something I've actually always wanted to do. Uh, anybody here ever see the movie Dead Poet Society? Yes. Ooh, excellent. We're going to try that today. Anybody remember the scene with the yawp? Walt Whitman, I sound my barbaric yop. 
from the rooftops of the world. Anybody remember that scene? Yes, if you remember that scene, raise your hand. Bingo. Jamal, come on up here. <laughs> really? That's what he's saying. His body language is like, really? You raise your hand first. Perfect. <laughs> My brother knows the scene well, so I can trust him to do it justice. If you would, stand on this chair. Excellent. Now, if you would, could you give us a loud barb? Well, actually, no. Give us the first yawp that happens in the movie. Yeah. All right. No. You have to give us... Now give us the real yawp that happens in the movie. Yawp! Again. Yawp! Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can, That's what you up with. Yes, yes, that is. I, I have other talent. I know. I know. I'm sorry. A yawp, a loud, barbaric cry from the rooftops of the world is how Walt Whitman phrases it. Now I want to do something else. In Japan, about five years ago, they started something very, very interesting. And this is all going to kind of tie in. Um, Japan is a very uh, tight kind of society. They don't express a lot. So they came up with this holiday that they're now practicing every year. Some of you probably have heard about it on the news. If you haven't heard about it, I'm going, to prefer, I'm going to phrase this question. Anybody here who's married, please raise your hand. Very good. Anybody here who's married and you're a male, raise your hand. Very good. Excellent. What I'd like is somebody, one of you males, who is married, who dearly loves their wife, to raise your hand. Oh, look at that. Everybody did. Bronze skill. Perfect. Come on up here. I can't help it, man. I, I, I'm picking on people. Perfect. Is Allison here? No. She's not here? Oh, no, no, no. Sit, sit Bronson. <laughs> Who raised their hand and their wife is here? Come on, Scott. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> so here's the deal. In Japan, they have a holiday called Beloved Wife's Day. And it's because the male culture is very suppressed. They don't express themselves very much. So what they did is they set up a stage in one of the parks in Japan. And what they have is the men come up and they stand on the stage in the park. Yep, stand on it. Yep, yeah. Perspective is everything here. And from the stage, they proclaim to everybody that can possibly hear them shout, they've got a microphone and they're screaming, how much they love their wife. <laughs> Would you do that for us today? Yeah. Pick, pick one thing that you want to bring up, anything. Wait, 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 wait. We're in a closed environment. Can you do that as a shout? Like, shout that out to her. Melody, I love you. Oh, Thank you. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Melody, how did that make you feel? How did that make you feel? <laughs> For those of you hearing the tape, she only said it was all right. All right. That proclamation, ah, I got a kiss out of it, that's good to you. That proclamation of love and affection, unbiased, not thinking about anything else, this is what I love, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. This is what this story of, I'm going to get all emotional, this is what this story of Jericho is talking about. So, again, there's too much to go through all in one time. I'm going to do my best with a little bit of a Reader's Digest. Moses has died. Joshua has been appointed the new king of the Israelites. Mind you, 
they've been walking around the desert for over 40 years now. Okay, so we're going to kind of fast forward into here. A number of events come up to this moment before Jericho. What happens here, and again, I'm just jealous, but hear this. We start the first thing off. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and none went out. The people of Jericho locked the doors, right? And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. This is a very, it struck me weird at first. But this is my take on it, so forgive me if it's a little bit off. But if I'm Joshua, and I'm leading these people that have had no home for 40 years, they've been sustained up until this time from manna from heaven. As they've come into the new world, into this new land of Canaan, they're now grazing and foraging for themselves. Here, across the river, is Jericho. And God tells uh, Joshua, see, I've given you the city. Now, if I'm Joshua looking at this city, I'm thinking, a home? I'm thinking, walls? We're going to be protected? Nobody can just run into our camp with our tents? Protection? Food plentiful around me? A home? A wellspring in the middle of the city? We don't have to go looking and digging for wells of water anymore? Like, that's where my mind initially goes. This could easily have been an idol. I'll bet you for some, it probably was. I'm going to give you this city. But it wasn't for them to live in. You know, God takes that idol and immediately smashes it, and he tells them that they're going to take the city over. I'm going to give you the city to plunder. Now, it's interesting here because he gives them a, a direct plan on how to do this, but then at, <laughs> at the same time, what do you do? Here's my question. What do you do? In front of you sits all the things you could ever hope for. What do you do? In front of you sits all the things that you've been asking for, right? You hear from God, here, I want you to just destroy that. Here, here's all the things that you think that you really, really want. No, God, ah, listen, I'm going to just, we're just going to rip that down. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have you rip that down, but you're going to rip it down my way. What do you do? Like, there, there, there is a, a gut check here. There is a trust relationship here. Now, Joshua, being an Israelite, there's a thousand stories that he could be, was told. There was a thousand things that he lived through, that he saw God tangibly working throughout his life. Remember that, little footnote. The things that God has done in his life. What are the things that God has done in your life? See, this sets us up for how we go about this entire story. Joshua's leading the people, Okay? So his memory of what it is that God's done for him and for the people is already deposited into Joshua. This is the man under submission. This is the man who's been faithful. This is the man under obedience. This is the man who was brought up through the culture. Now, yes, there was an impartation that came from Moses, right? But amongst the people as well, he was seen as somebody who was in line. It wasn't like Joe Schmo just came up out of nowhere like, here you go, you can handle all of these people. No, there was a respect line that was generated over that time, that was cultivated, and a relationship to the Lord that was cultivated over, along that period of time. All right, I'm just going to leave that right there. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams. When we're talking about some of the stuff that we're talking about here, as far as 
promises, as far as this, this city of Jericho, as far as what their hearts were longing for, what their needs were. They needed food. They needed shelter. They needed clothing. Yeah, they needed God. They needed obedience. They needed to understand who God was in their life because he had something so much bigger to bring to them. This was just a stepping stone. You know, it looked really, really nice. But if we asked, in hindsight, would you rather have had Jericho and lived there or if you were living in Israel, I don't think there's a question. Nobody's going back to Jericho to set up shop over there. You know, in hindsight, we understand that. But for us, as we're walking through our own Christian walks, there is a line where we're saying, Lord, do I really trust you? Let's jump into worship. Worship. What is worship? Anybody. One word. Quick. Praise. Give me another word. Love. Another word. Grace. Another word. Exaltation. Adoration. Very good. Now, let's put actions to those. How about sacrifice? How about obedience? If I am worshiping something, let's just say I am worshiping reality TV. Let's say I am worshiping food. Let's say I am worshiping substances, okay? If I'm worshiping them, I'm partaking in them. I'm giving them my time, my body, my energy, my eyes, my focus. Now, what is the result of that? Worship. Because it's not benign. We're offering something. When we worship something, that means we're taking ourselves away from something else to go worship. We're aligning our focuses to things. So if I'm focusing on food, well, I'm worshiping food. What happens to me? Well, my body gets bigger. If I'm focusing on television or reality TV or whatever it is, what happens to me? Well, I'm not doing the other things that I need to do. My time is being taken from me. My mind is being taken from me. Because I'm focusing on all this other stuff. If I'm worshiping substances, you know the rest. There is an exchange that happens in worship. Now, if I'm worshiping TV, this is an interesting thing, I thought. What am I, what am I looking for? And I know what mine is. My answer is escape. I don't want to think about anything. I want to be mindless just for a minute so I can just stop all of the things that are going on in my head, right? Well, what's the byproduct of that? Did I accomplish anything? Did anything change? Nothing changed. I just left with less time to do more stuff. Now, am I trusting that in watching the TV, I'm not going to think about anything? Yes, I am. Am I trusting that if I'm feeding and eating food or I'm drinking or looking into substances or I'm looking at people to get what I need, am I trusting that they're going to take... Yes, I'm trusting them. Are they fulfilling that, that goal? No, they're not. So I'm going to put trust in our worship category, obedience in our worship category, praise and adoration and exaltation in our worship category. See everyone going with this? Uh, who knows me very well? Shahida, you dare raise your hand after that? Come on up. It's fine. All right. That's how we roll. Come on. <laughs> I said this might be an interactive Sunday. Who does not know me at all? Who has never, like, you know, shook? Have, have I never had? Perfect. Come on up. Yes. Yes. If, you, if you're willing, it's up to you. Come on up. Just stand right here. Okay, turn around. Great. Come on up. What, what is your name? Sarah. Naeem, officially, nice to meet you. <laughs> Sorry, this is our first, you know, meeting, pulling up in front of all these people, but she's used to it. Yeah, it's first for you. Okay, this is what I like to do. Could you turn around for me? Sure. Great. Just cross your hands over your chest. 
I want you to just fall backwards. <laughs> just, just drop. Go ahead. I mean, I might catch you. Hold on, wait. I have to get a cup of water. Okay, you can fall now. W would you do that? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah, very much. Bless you. I, I, I probably should not have pulled my sister up here with the trust issue, but she had to just fall back. Perfect. All right. See, so now worship is trust. Sarah, when I asked you to fall back, what was the first thing that you were focusing on? Your head hitting the floor, right? Sheeta, what was the first thing that you were focusing on? Okay. I was thinking about it for me. If I was falling back, what I'd be focusing on would be my hands. Are his hands there? Is he ready to catch me right now? Do you understand? If I'm trusting, I'm focusing on what it is that I'm trusting. That it's going to, like, is he going to catch me? God, are you going to catch me right now? I'm about to step out on a limb. I'll fall. You're telling me to fall. I'll fall. But are you going to catch me? Like, these are areas that we have to identify in our life. Do we trust God? Do we trust God with our Jericho? Do we? That's a question for you. Okay. I want to keep, keep the train moving here. Going back, the cold, and this is important as well. We talked about the cold weather outside. I'm just going to hit this real quick. Cold. What does cold do to your body? It makes your veins constrict. What does that do? It pulls all the blood to your chest, right, to keep your heart beating. What is the byproduct of all the blood going from your limbs to your heart? Well, you stop moving, right? You're not flailing your arms around anymore. Your chest is saying, keep the blood here because I want to keep it pumping. I want to keep it pumping. What happens over time because your body's trying to re regulate itself is you get tired. What happens when you get tired? You fall asleep. If you fall asleep in very, very cold weather, you freeze to death and you die. That is the physical understanding of what cold does to the body. Now, cold spiritually if we're constantly getting shut in and shut in and shut in, we're not going out anymore, we're not risking anymore, we're not taking something, we're freezing our own spiritual growth and, and development. As it is physical, is, as it is spiritual in this case. The two, the two collide, you understand? The climate that we're living in, that what the pastor was talking about, is directly in line here. And when we do get hit with those cold bursts, we do get hit with those storms. The question is, am I going to trust and fall back again, despite it being so cold? Is he still there? It's very cold outside. Is he still there? Maybe he went inside because his hands got cold. No, he created the cold. It's all right. He's got it. We got you covered. All right. So we have God identifying what the idol was. Then he identifies the people. Again, back to obedience. Prior to all of this, a ceremony went on amongst the Jewish men where they were circumcised. Now, these are men. These are not children. That is not an act. I'm not going to go into detail. That is not an act that's anything light or gentle. No anesthesia back then. Okay? So we have a submission area, and God calls them, you shall march around the city, all you men of war, all you men of readiness, all of you men of preparedness, all of you men and women who have submitted, who have been obedient, who are holding the ground, who are ready to take the steps that I'm calling to them to go and do. It's an exchange, you see? Worship is always an exchange. But as we're obedient to the Lord, he calls us out even more. As we divulge deeper into his word and give him more of our mind and our energy and our spirit and our time, he tells us more. He infills us. He gives us life so we can stand outside in the cold. 
So when someone's telling us about a bad day or a rough day, maybe we're not quoting scripture, but sure as heck we've got a light living inside of us that they're warming themselves to. The worship that happened this morning, let me tell you something. It it wasn't wasn't just spontaneous. And I have to say this about the pastors as well, and our prayer team here as well. It's it's a round-the-clock session. You can't stop it. For example, worship, the team you saw up here, a large number of them stayed Friday night to re- rehearse. Now, they lost some meetings, but there was a hunger right here till after midnight, just worshiping, just worshiping, not just for themselves, because they needed it, but for this church, because we need it, for our community, because we need it. We need to warm up so we can break this ice, so our limbs can move, so our words can come out, so we can profess the gospel and live it. Okay, I want to keep moving along. I missed something, sorry. Worship. Talk about this in the Bible. Now, it's interesting. This is what jumped out at me. The band, the marching band, is the centerpiece of this entire story. The men of war do nothing. They do nothing to the point that they're not even talking. Joshua gives them very, very specific detail. You shall say and utter nothing. No belly aching, no crying, no this, no that, no now, no no later. Walk, march, and let the people that are supposed to do what they're supposed to do play. And what are those people? Those are the worshipers. And how important was it? Well, it says here that he said very clearly, Then the seven priests bearing trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. So we've got army. We've got, if we're going backwards, we've got army, we've got ark, we've got priests with horns, we've got army. What is this telling us? God's saying, protect the worship. Protect my tool. Protect the worship. Protect the focus. If the horn is blowing, this is the decree of war. We're at war right now. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Kids, stay in bed. Daddy's going to go out and handle this. All I need you guys to do is just keep singing your song. That's his power. I don't need you to do anything, but be obedient and let me handle this. I've got good stuff in there for you. It's all for you. You don't have to do anything. Relax. I want you to walk. I want you to trust. I want you to protect the worship to your rear. I want you to protect the worship to your front and walk. Walk where I've told you to go. Go around the city one day. And a lot of this, a lot of what I'm talking about for us, brothers and sisters, is yes, we pray about certain things. Yes, we say, God, please, I need you here. God, please, I need wisdom here. God, when is this going to go down? When is this wall going to go down? When are you going to come and fill me? Whatever it is, and then we stop. That's only day one. God says, do it again. Just worship. Do it again. Just worship. Don't don't ask. Just worship. Worship. I'm working it out. I'm working it out. Just keep your focus on me. Keep aligned up with what I'm telling you. Be obedient. If it's prayer meetings that I'm being called to, then I need to go to prayer meetings. If I'm being called to do worship, then I need to go to worship meetings. 
Maybe I'm not up there on Sunday morning, but I'm at the worship meeting because that's the last thing that God said to me. We just recently had an altar call for people with the children's ministry. I felt that need, but I don't know if I have the time to give the children. Were you called to it? Well, yes. Well, then follow it. God will handle the rest. God will make the provision. Okay. I totally forgot about my slides. Can you go to the one with the diagram, please? It's, I think, the fourth one. Sorry about that. Thanks. Okay, this is the wall. Let's go to the diagram here. Where that man is standing is the retaining wall. The retaining wall was 12 to 15 feet high. Now, as you can see, it's on a slant. So we've got a pitched retaining wall with earth all behind it, okay? Now, the first wall, that red, is the first mud brick wall. The mud brick wall at Jericho was six feet thick. And this particular wall, this first wall, stood 22 feet high. 15 feet, 22 feet high. So anybody who was a student, oh, 26 feet high. Anybody who's a student of war movies, especially in medieval ages, you're thinking of those war machines where they rolled those carts up and the guys went up the stairs and they dropped the things down. That would not work here even if they had it. Do you understand? Then we have this incline this pitched earth, and then we have the upper city inner wall. That wall from the base of the retaining wall was 46 feet high. This place was impregnable by anyone's standards given what they had to work with. There was no way to get into Jericho. There was no siege that was going to work on Jericho. Okay, you want to burn the mud wall? You want to burn the retaining wall? Guess what? You're, you're burning dirt. How are you going to get in? There was no way for that. Now, this gentleman here, I don't know if you can actually see it, but at the bottom of the picture where the stick is, the bottom of the stick is the bottom of the retaining wall in this picture. This is a picture from the 1950s, an archaeological dig that was done. So when they excavated it, they found the, the, the retaining wall, and the base of that, the bottom of the stick, is where it started. Look where the man's standing. There was no way into Jericho. A lot of times we get things, we say, there's no way, God, I can do that. There's no way, God, I can give myself to that. There's no way, God, that you can change that for me. And God's response to it is not to work you up, worship me. God's response to that sort of thing, worship me, realign your focus. Stop looking at walls. They're walls. They're made of dirt. I made you of dirt. I made the dirt. It's important that we have perspective, because a lot of times when you're thinking and you're reading the Bible, it's great to read it. What I love is when all of a sudden it pops, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. Oh my, I'm waiting, you know, some some of the things that Kristen and I have talked about, um, and one of my frustrations has always been, you know, I feel like um, I get things, I just don't know what to do with them. I I, I I don't know how to add something else into my world. I don't know how to get you know, the thing that we've been waiting for, that we've been praying for. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. And the more I focus on it, the more deeper and deeper I go into a, a depression. And what's my way out of that? And Kristen will tell you this, worship music. Nonstop, 24-7. I burn new music all the time, and then I burn right through it because it's the only way to keep my head up. I have to constantly remind myself of what my real focus is. 
not on the negatives and the things that are just going to pull me down where humanly there's no way possible I'm going to take down a Jericho, but with worship and letting God handle it, guess what? Nothing's impossible. The soldiers, these are men who followed Joseph's lead. They walked in silent obedience. The soldiers all didn't hear God's voice. Joshua did. Joshua said to them, this is what I want you to do. You will walk. You will not talk. You will flank both sides of the worship. That's it. Do that once. Do that twice. You'll do that three times. You'll do that four times. You'll do that five times. You'll do that six times. On the seventh time, we're going to go around seven times, but you will not speak until you hear my command. Because the horns are blowing the whole time. The worship is surrounding the problem. The worship is marinating the problem with God's presence. The worship is them taking their hands off anything that they would have to do, because nothing that they can. You know, understanding that this is beyond me is huge. Understanding my weakness in the situation and my reliance on God is huge. We had the prophecy that, that the prophet that came in a few weeks back. And a lot of us got words. As a church, we got words. But they're not things that we're going to now go up and work and do. We'll be obedient to the call that God's given us. At the same time, we have to keep our focus on the promise and not the how to get there. God will reveal and move the pieces that he needs to move all on his own. Now, this is really cool. And now I'm jumping around. I can't help it. On that seventh trumpet sound, shofar sound, and the shout went out, right? The walls fell flat, right? Yes? Everybody? Walls fell flat. They didn't fall in. They fell out. They didn't fall in. They fell out. Now, why is that important? Well, guess what? That lower city mud brick wall, when it fell down, it fell down into the trench where that man is. Guess what happened? The Bible tells us to us very clearly. They followed each other one by one. The idle wall steps became the steps to its plunder. I'll say it again. So the wall that kept them out, that made, them, it made the city impregnable, you can't get in here, you can't do anything about it. When the wall fell, it fell out. So now that the wall has fallen out, all I have to do is walk up the steps in and take what I've already been told is mine. So archaeologically, what would cause a wall to go out? Divine push. God just breathed into the middle of that thing and exploded it. Implode means it goes in. Explode means it goes out. Blew it out. He blew it out. Now, that beautiful wall that you were lamenting over are the steps that allow you to go in and take all of the gold. And by the way, burn everything in there. You need not touch anything else. Just take what I told you to take and move on. Because I have something better for you. When the archaeologists dug this, it corroborates with the Bible perfectly. Instinct. There's no derivation. There's been a number of digs from the 1950s from different countries that have gone in there. One of the things that they noted, full pots of grain. Full pots of grain. What does that mean? It means that when the people saw the Israelites coming, 
They gathered up all the grain. They brought it inside because they were ready to stand fast and hold their ground and let, you know, let these people just bash their heads against the wall. Now, if the siege had been going on for a long time, if it was a war you know, that was just... Bur- then they, the grain would have been gone, wouldn't it? They would have eaten it all. But they didn't eat it all. All the pots were full. They found charred pots full of grain dating exactly to the time that this happened. So what, the, what does that say? It says that when God tells you to do something... And the plan that he gives you to do it, he's going to follow it. He's going to be exact. So a short siege, seven days, is right on, is right on the money. God is right on the money. I want to close with this. And we'll go to the next thing. I'm going to take you guys outside the box. Um, and bear with me. There's an experiment. It's called the double slit experiment. It's an exercise in quantum physics. I want you to think of this. Forget quantum physics. You're going to tune out. Think of a ball. Everybody think of a marble. Everybody got a marble in your head? Got a marble in your head? Got it? Okay. Got a marble in your head. And when you throw that at a big sheet of paper with a horizontal slit in it, all right, think of throwing millions of those little balls at that paper. And on the back of it, so all the, all the balls that fit through the slit, right, Will, fall, will go beyond. All the ones that don't will fall to the ground. So, they did this experiment. These little balls, we're going to call them electrons, that's what they used. They threw them at this piece of paper, threw them, threw them. And on the back wall beyond the paper, they saw a marking of a, a slit. The exact square that was cut out of the paper was what appeared on the back wall from where the balls all hit. Everybody got that? You with me? So they throw it through a rectangle, they get a rectangle shape on the back wall. Got it? Then they put two rectangles in. When they did two rectangles in, the back wall had a bunch of lines, not two rectangles. They said, this doesn't make any sense. The ball is behaving like a wave, not like a ball. If it's a ball, it should go through, and we should see two rectangles on the back wall. We should not see a whole bunch of lines. We should not see an interference pattern. So I said, well, we don't understand what's going on here. I think what's happening is that the ball is going through the slit, it's breaking apart, then coming back together, and then deciding where to go. They don't have an explanation for it to this day. So what did they do? They said, let's put a camera there to measure which slit the ball is going through so we can figure out why we're getting this weird pattern on the wall. When they did that, the ball behaved the way it was supposed to be, and there were two rectangles on the wall. So what does that tell us? Because they were watching it, it behaved the way it was supposed to. Because they watched what was going on. This is quantum physics. I'm not going to get into all details. But because they're watching, this is, take the ball. Because they watched the ball, it behaved and did what it was supposed to do. It wasn't radical. It wasn't random. It didn't go off into a tangent somewhere else. It simply did what it was supposed to do, what it should have done. Gone through and made two rectangles on the back wall. So what does that mean to us? It means that when God is watching, things change. That means that when God is watching and he tells us what we're supposed to do and how the result is supposed to be, it is. As it is quantumly, as it is godly. He's the creator of that. And if we get into the the habit of understanding that God is watching what we're doing, that God is calling us to a place and saying to us that your Jericho is not a Jericho, but a stumbling stone for me to do a work in your life so you have a story to tell, 
when we understand that our worship and our attention and our obedience is directly related to what he can do with us, we're going to live different lives. We're going to live very, very exciting lives. They're going to be a little weird. They're going to be a little weird. We're called the peculiar people. Let me tell you something. I think it's C.S. Lewis. Aslan is not a tame lion. God is not tame. He is not in the confines of what we call, you do this and then you get that. City, he's wild. He's radical. He's radical about us. So when it comes to getting up on a chair and saying, baby, I love you. Baby, I love you. I'm crazy about you. I'm wild for you. Don't worry about it. Just keep singing that song. Keep praising me. Keep making me the direct focus of your life. Do not go into all that other stuff. Do not worry about how it's all going to get done. Just be obedient. Take the step. I'll meet you. Baby, I love you. Come join me. Baby, I love you. Focus on me. City on a hill. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I'm crazy about you. I want more for you. Don't settle with Jericho. It was a crumbling city anyway. It's an archaeological memory. These temporal things that we focus on, we get trapped by, we get anxious over, they mean nothing. We're the only ones that gave them any power. We're the ones that made them idols. We're the ones who worshiped them. They mean nothing. What God is going to do, he's going to do. And in these days, in these last days, he tells us to look up. He tells us to focus on him. He tells us to worship him, to make him the number one, to keep our attention in line with what he wants to do in our lives. And we deal with a lot of turmoil. We deal with a lot of strife because we're settling. You want to know what the difference between boredom and waiting is? Something on the other end. If I sat in this chair, I just did this, you'd say I was bored. If I sat in this chair and I did this, you'd say I was waiting coming through the doors that he keeps looking at. I'm still sitting. My heart's in a different spot, though. My heart's in a different spot. I have a focus. Something's coming. And I want to make sure I don't miss it. He's coming to talk to me. I want to make sure I don't miss it. I know he has something for me. He's told me that. A prophet came in here. He spoke about the church. He spoke about a healthy church. That's for all of us. We're the church, not the building. We're the church. A healthy people. So let's keep our focus there. Let's keep our focus there. Keep our worship there, our attention there, our sacrifices there. If we're going to sacrifice for something, as General already said, make sure we sacrifice for the right things, the things that God's called us to do. And more times than not, I'm going to be honest with you, more times than not, it's get out of the way. You're in my way. Take your hands off of it. You can't do it anyway. You're not going to break into a Jericho, not with your hands. You need to focus on me. You need to trust me. I'm not going to drop you. You need to trust me. You need to get to know me better. I'm good. I'm good, and I love you. Amen? That's what our worship is. 
that's where we are right now. We're in a new year. It's already been said that there are things coming, good things coming for us, you and me. Let us not derive and look at things like, oh, how's that going to happen? How's... No, we need to worship. You don't have worship, we need to pray. You don't have pray, send a text, ask somebody to pray for you. You don't have somebody that you can text to pray for you, talk to somebody after church, exchange numbers and say, I might text you because I might need you to pray for me. Wait for the response. K, covered. I get them all the time. They're all the world to me. Amen? So Lord Jesus, we just give this to you. Uh, Worship team, you guys can come on up. We just give this time to you right now, Lord. Lord, our worship is an act of war. As the trumpets sound and they resonate over the problems that we have, you are in there working amongst the bricks and the people. You are the wind and the breath and the power. Lord, we are your children. You call us your children, Father. And you say that we hide underneath your wing. You are our refuge. Not to hide from the world, but because you want to give us good things. You want to usher us into a path that's already been laid out for us. Lord, call us into greater obedience. Call us into greater praise and worship. Let us understand that sacrifice is really not sacrifice, but investing for greater glory. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We thank you for your time, that you're ever-present with us. Lord, may we know that we are never alone, that when it comes to that moment of falling, you got us. In the name of Jesus, amen.